spiritual, physical. There's going to be a lot of eating going on. Just praying that we don't put on no pounds after all this is over. Amen. Well, I tell you what, if you go to Carl Poole's class, you won't gain no weight. Not, not physical weight, spiritual weight. Amen. <laughs> uh, somebody shall get your mind right. Somebody shall get your mind right. Come on, say it again. Say, get your mind right. Oh, man, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, we recognize how valuable and important it is uh, for fellowship. Um, it was your model. It's what you demonstrated. You came down here and you surrounded yourself with 12 knuckleheads. And as a result of them fellowshipping with each other and with you, their lives were changed. And so we just want to pray over Grace University. Father, you know how we've prayed over this, we've labored over this, and how important it is to us as a leadership team, and how we know lives are changed, people grow closer to the Lord, people are healed. Father, we're just praying over this thing right now. Thank you for Dwayne Hall, our leader, and just all of the leaders and facilitators. God, we lift this up before you right now. This is not just a program, but we trust that lives will be changed. So we consecrate this to you now. Now, Lord, as we open up the word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, we recognize that Satan wants to steal the seed of the word. We recognize that he understands that through the preaching of the word and the gospel that men and women are saved. The foolishness of preaching doesn't make sense to us that somebody stands here and reads the Bible and talks about God. But, Father, this is your ordained path for the gospel to be shared. And, Father, we're asking that we will see more than a man standing here, that, and we will hear more than Myron talking, that we will hear the voice of God. So, Father, we just put our hands into your care right now. We put our lives into your care right now. We want to be hearers not only of your word, but we want to be doers of your word as well. Father, could it be that many of our prayers are not answered, God, because we are not willing to participate in the answering of our prayers? And so, Father, right now, we're willing right now. We say we're willing in advance. We don't have to wait till the end of the sermon. We don't have to wait for some invitation or some appeal. But right now, in the presence of God, as we are talking to the Holy Spirit even now, we're saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our lives. You're welcome to tell us what to do. We are willing to give up whatever we've got to give up, to do whatever you tell us to do, to go wherever you tell us to go. Father, we give the Spirit permission right now to move in our midst. God, we're not looking for entertainment or a show or just, it was good, it was nice, I enjoyed it. God, I need an encounter with God today. We need an encounter with God today. So, Lord, oh, Lord, just come, 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 come into our lives, Lord God. It's our prayer in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen and amen and amen. Today we want to talk about uh, abuse. We want to talk about abuse. We want to talk about abuse and, and another term that we're going to use interchangeably is complex trauma. Again, I cannot, I cannot emphasize over and over and over again just how important the messages that we are sharing are. And I just want to give a shout out to all the folks who have been watching us online, people that have inboxed and texted us and told us that these messages have been life-changing. Those of you who were at the tent, come on, say amen. Still bubbling over with joy because of what the Lord has been sharing relative to this. One of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to preach not just, uh, we're not just trying to give you theological information, but we're trying to how to take that theological information and apply it to your very life. And the truth of the matter is, is, as it relates to our mental health, what kind of health, everybody? There is no other health more important than your mental health. 
Everything flows out of your mental health. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that out of the heart flow the issues of life. And when the Bible is talking about the heart, the Bible is talking about the mind. When the Bible is talking about the heart, the Bible is talking about the mind. The Bible is talking about the what, everybody? Talking about the mind. And, and what we put in our minds, what we take in, what influences we've experienced actually shape our behavior. So one of the things we kept emphasizing over and over again is that we're not trying to change behavior. We're trying to change thinking. And if thinking can change, how many believe that God can change behavior? Come on, say. The Bible says, a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Be not conformed to this world. Anybody know their Bible? But be ye transformed, come on, Bible students, by the renewing even of your mind. And there is an active role that we have to play. Our minds are not renewed because God waves a wand over our heads and then all of a sudden our minds are changed. How many know we have to participate in the renewing of our minds? By the way, I just wanted to bring something that is present in every black home. Not hot sauce. I almost brought that. But if you live long enough, Come on, somebody. How many, how many got a little Lowry's in your house right now, all right? How many got a little Lowry's in your house? Come on, somebody. So, I had so much sodium in there. <laughs> oh, listen, man, I look, it's about 70% sodium, but I tell you what, this Lowry's right here. See, we believe that our food should be seasoned. I know, I'm trying to get an easy amen today. I, I believe that your food should be seasoned. Come on, say amen. If you want to upset somebody who got a little melanin in their skin, let the food not be seasoned. Come on, say amen. I was hearing folks talk about Popeye's versus uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken the other day. And uh, there was a lot of jokes. Y'all heard about that stuff. But they said it seemed like whoever make that Popeye's chicken sandwich is one of them mothers from the church who's in the kitchen. Who get a little bit of her sweat in, inside. The, go, y'all, you know what old folks talk about? They put your foot in it. Come on, say amen. When somebody said, did you put your foot in there? They're asking, boy, did you, did, is that stuff seasoned? Come on, how many want your food to be seasoned? All right, I, I'm, I'm starting off with this in advance because this is going to be an illustration of something we're going to talk about in this message, but I have a tendency to forget, so I'm going to lay it right here, all right? I have a tendency to forget. All right, so let's get into this. We're going to talk about seasoning and all that kind of stuff in a minute to apply a very powerful principle. Now, when we talk about abuse, it is so critical that we have this conversation because what you will discover is, is there are very few of us who have not experienced some abuse on some level, all right? And so when you're talking about getting a person to live differently, to change how they live, to progress in God, we have these groups and all this kind of stuff. Like if I'm going to church, I'm going to a group, how is it, Pastor, that a person can go to church for years and for years and for years, hear sermon after sermon after sermon, pray, read, study the Bible, but really there's a level of arrested development Seriously, there's a, a level of spiritual retardation where they're not able to move in certain areas. That's because we have underestimated the power of our upbringing. We have underestimated the power of ways of thinking, of strongholds, cycles that have to be broken. And the truth of the matter is that sometimes you cannot even hear where God is trying to take you unless God begins to heal various areas of your life that are broken. I saw something, and I, 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 I saw something. It's not in my sermon, but somebody posted it online, and I said, I got to read this because it makes so much sense, and I shared it yesterday. Uh, let me see what it says. It says this. Uh, it says, when you finally learn a person's behavior has more to do with their own internal struggle than it, than, than, than it ever did with you, 
you learn grace. All right, let me read that one more time. Let me read that one more time. When you finally learn a person's behavior has more to do with their own internal struggle than it ever did with you, you learn grace. I want to just bring this to our attention now because with the subject matter I'm going to discuss today, there are so many behaviors and characters and personalities that we deal with at work, that we deal with at school, that we deal with at home, and that we deal with in the church. And a lot of times the church, I feel, gets unfairly judged because we have characters. Come on, somebody. Many of us are strange. Many of us have pathologies. Many of us are weird, I being one of them. And I'm not saying this pejoratively or disrespectfully. I'm just, let's be honest. One of the reasons why people sometimes only want to deal with church folk is they say, man, y'all got the same kind of folk in the church that you have in the world. And they're mainly naming and talking about some of our isms. Like, we, come on, somebody. It's a bunch of different people in here. I mean, really different. And the fact that we're able to worship together, it should be a witness to the world that it's like, yo, you have all these strange personalities and people with different backgrounds and different hurts and traumas. And the reason why I think this is so important, hear me now, is because a lot of times we look at people's behavior and we lack the empathy that's necessary to say that that person is not just a bad person or they're crazy or whatever we're saying. We've got to get to a place, as this post was saying, where we recognize that it ain't personal. It's not personal how a person treats us. It's that, that these people have stories. And I would to God that as we've been going through this series, that we wouldn't be so quick to be judgmental about how people behave, but we should be more concerned and asking why do they behave the way they behave? Why do you behave the way you behave? And one of the things I'll tell you right now is one of the number one issues that affects behavior because it actually affects your brain. Sometimes we over-spiritualize stuff and make it seem like, like it's just like God works through the, God actually works through the body that he created. And our behavior literally can be traced to grooves and neurotransmitters in our brains that create habits and ways of thinking and ways of operating. Sadly, though, most of the way you think was determined before you had a choice. This is why when we talk about breakthroughs and deliverance and we start talking about people changing, that we are talking about something that is loaded. We, I mean, that's why I, one of the things God helped me to really get to this place where I'm no longer expecting more out of others than I'm expecting out of myself. We want people to change overnight. But if for 40 years you've been thinking in a way that's been unhealthy, if for 30 years and 20 years you've been, you've been this way, how do we think that just if somebody gets baptized or if somebody comes to church or somebody gets married, that all of a sudden these decisions are going to change who they are? One of the things I've discovered is, is most of our major decisions actually expose the brokenness that we have in our lives. That's why anybody who's coming to my group for, like, the couples thing, me and Sinead just going to try to help y'all to help you expose some stuff. Because what I discovered is, is these decisions like family and marriage and children, they expose you. They expose your brokenness. They expose ways of thinking that are dysfunctional. And by the grace of God, I'm coming against that in the name of Jesus today by his blood. So when we talk about abuse, we have to just be honest. We are talking about women and children who are the most vulnerable. 
The most vulnerable people to abuse are women and children. The reason being is because, <laughs> Lord have mercy, they are the, they are, they are, they are the, the most vulnerable because they, typically they are the weakest in our society. And so I'm just being honest with you. We'll see more statistics about this today. But most of the individuals that are inflicting abuse are men. Number one. And adults. That's just about everybody. Y'all missed that. I thought the, the, brothers, the brothers wasn't feeling that. But then I just added. Because listen, it's women and what else, everybody? And children. Okay? So hang out here. Seven out of every ten women. Let me just bore you real quick with some stats so you can see how real this thing is that I'm talking about. Seven out of every ten women will be physically or sexually abused in their lifetime worldwide. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I'm talking about 70%. Will be. Will be. Five children die every day from abuse and neglect. I, don't, I didn't say that they have a bad life. They die. And most of these children are, are under the age of three years old. Five children a day die of neglect. The other one is, is one out of three girls and one out of, uh, out of five boys will be. Dr. Sedlicek pointed this out. He corrected me in my sermon last week. One out of three girls and one out of five boys will be sexually abused before they reach 18. Somebody asked me the other day, I can't remember who it was, they was like, why is the emphasis always on sexual abuse? We'll talk about that in a minute, but the truth of the matter is, is for whatever reason, Satan has used one of the things, one of the vehicles that God has designed for, the, for, the, for one of the highest expressions of love on the planet to actually manipulate and control and abuse people. There's a reason why Satan has chosen sexual abuse to be one of the most painful. The Bible says uh, any sin, you know what I'm saying, can be forgiven. But the Bible says in Corinthians, he says the sexual sin is different because it is sinning against your own body. And the Bible says you become yoked. You become yoked with the spirit. Soul ties become yoked with the spirit of the person that you are involved with sexually. There's a reason why Satan has chosen that. 90% of child sexual abuse victims know the perpetrator in some way. And a, high, and a little lower number, but just to give you the nearness and proximity of it, 68% are abused by a family member. So we're not talking about strangers here. 14% of all men and 36% of all women in prison were abused as children. I mean, this is not germane to the subject today, but most of the studies say that just, I think, like 80%, something like a 70 to 80%, don't quote me exactly, but I know it's somewhere in that vein, of people who are incarcerated grew up in fatherless homes. Abused children, I'm, I'm continuing to bore you, I got to give you all this facts, right? Abused children are less likely to practice safe sex, putting them at a greater risk for STDs. I'm going to explain why. Abused children are at a greater risk to practice, or less likely, rather, of practicing safe sex and put at a greater risk for STDs. Next, they are also 25%, how many did I say, everybody? 25% more likely to experience teen pregnancy. More than one in three women and more than one in four men, 28% of the United States, uh, reported experiencing, next page, rape. And it's amazing. We, we often don't talk about this in terms of men, right? Rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. 
So here's a true story. We often talk about domestic violence against women. The truth of the matter is, is there's a lot of brothers out there that are experiencing domestic violence as well. Pride sometimes puts us in a place where we don't talk about it, though. Nearly half, Lord have mercy, nearly half of all women and men in the United States will experience psychological, what kind did I say, everybody? Psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And one of the things you're going to discover as we go through this is that many of us are repeatedly and chronically and consistently emotional abusers. We don't know no other way. We repeatedly, it is our makeup, it is our makeup to abuse people emotionally and psychologically. But that doesn't get a lot of pub because we only see physical wounds when somebody has been battered and so forth. But how many know it's the wounds that you can't see that are often the most powerful? All right, let's define abuse very quickly just so that we're all on the same page. Abuse, abuse uh, uh, basically, basically means, go to the next slide for me, uh, to use wrongly. So the word a abuse, uh, uh, listen, ab means away from use. So away from use. So what you're basically doing is you're pulling somebody away from their God-ordained usefulness. And then you are using them for your purposes. So just very quickly, and I know this is going to, everybody, oh, come on, that's, I mean, don't you think you're oversimplifying it? Abuse is using people. Y'all not hearing me. So many of us are not just, have, 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 can't say we just have been abused, but many of us are abusers. All right, goes on to say, abuse is defined as any action that intentionally harms or injures another person. So for some people, I'm not an abuser, I'm not an abuser. Truth is, is, as I was studying this, I had to admit, everybody in here has dished it. And there's a reason for that. We live in a world of sin. The truth of the matter is, is most of us in here do not know how to love people. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this right now. There is nobody in here that knows how to love people perfectly at all. After sin, that whole thing of loving people, like it went out the window. And the only thing that can happen as a result of sin is that we hurt people. And so most of us hurt people most of the time rather than demonstrate the kind of love that God designed us for. But we'll get to that in a moment, all right? All right, here are some of the kinds of abuse. And I'm just going to run through this quickly. And the reason I'm only on doing this is because I want us to be able to see ourselves, all right? So, I mean, I, I don't know how entertaining this is going to be. In this first part of the message, but I'm just really hoping that we will really, really open up our minds to some of the things that is happening to people in our families, people in our church, and identify this stuff for what it is. All right? All right, first thing, physical abuse. That's the obvious one, right? Physical abuse is, in, is intentional bodily harm. Some examples include slapping, pinching, choking, kicking, shoving, or inappropriately using drugs or physical restraint. The first thing that's coming to your mind right now, especially if you have any of this in your house, is, did my mama abuse me? Did my daddy abuse me? That wasn't abuse back in the day. That was just what you call a whooping. That was what you call a beating. Y'all not hearing me in here today. Now, listen, I am not one of those guys that's so new school that I'm against corporal punishment. Come on, say amen. But I will say this, that punishing and, and beating and whooping in anger instead of love is abuse. 
But it kept me out of prison. Yeah, but 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 it also but uh, but also imprisoned you to be a very angry person, full of aggression. So listen, I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here right now, but I do need to point out that many of us, self included, self included, we have whooped, spanked, slapped, and done things to our children and to other people's spouses. And there's no, there's no justification of it if it was done in anger, if it was done impulsively. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be smacking or kicking, choking, shoving, pinching. Somebody glad that, that the belt ain't on there. Some of y'all got more than belts. But let me say this, and this is not to demonize anybody. It's just to say, look, when you know better, you do better. Some of y'all got whooped, and it didn't change no behavior. I'm serious. Some of y'all got slapped, stuff thrown at you. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me over here. I'm talking about some of y'all got cussed at, smacked on, on Sabbath. Where am I having a sap? On your, come on, how many know Sabbath morning? I mean, the devil used to always, I mean, listen, I'm telling you right now. Huh? Friday night, the house ain't clean. Stuff, I mean, missiles going over your head. Next, sexual abuse. Sexual abuse, that's for clarity. Any unwanted sexual contact. Some of you may or may not have heard, but just recently at Oakwood University, a Me Too movement got started, and it got unleashed on Twitter. People calling out individuals who participated in sexual abuse and, and misconduct. I'm telling you right now, we're in a day and age now because of the Me Too movement and because of sisters who are no longer going to remain silent, that if you, have, if you have participated in any unwanted behavior, it's going to come out. Sisters are getting emboldened now. They're talking about these issues. So it is any unwanted sexual contact. Examples include unwanted touching, rape, sodomy, coercive nudity, sexually uh, explicit photographing. Some of us grew up in neighborhoods where this was no, this was every day. Schoolgirl gets on a bus. She's going to be groped. She, her body is going to be talked about. It's, it's quiet in here. This stuff is happening, and it happens so often in our communities that it is seen as normal. And, and this is not in my, my presentation, but this stuff is happening with great regularity and intensity on social media. And there are laws that are being broken. We have to have these conversations with our young people and with our children about this stuff. Listen, if you're sharing photos of a young girl that is explicitly dressed and you are a kid, it does not mean that you are outside of the law. But I'm saying we are so sexualized, hypersexualized, that now this stuff that is, is, is viewed as abuse seems normal. Can I keep going? Emotional abuse. Lord have mercy. Is deliberately doing what, everybody? Causing mental or emotional pain. Deliberately. Such as what? Examples include intimidation. <laughs> Who is innocent? <laughs> huh? What else? A coercion, ridiculing, harassment, treating an adult like a child. What else? Isolating an adult or a child from family, friends, or regular activity. Use of silence to control behavior. I was just talking to one of our members the other day and said that the spirit of grudge holding was so strong in his family that literally his mother would not talk to him for months if he did something she didn't like. And for many of us in our culture, that is normalcy. 
repeated sarcasms, put-downs, belittling, trying to motivate a person to do something. And I will be the first to tell you, because I grew up, you know, born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s, things were different then. And, you know, when this whole thing of bullying came out, I kind of felt like this is, yeah, yeah, okay. And, and be honest, you know, there's something. But listen, brothers and sisters, we cannot belittle the bullying thing anymore. Not when kids are taking their own lives. And you say, oh, well, they just need to be more resilient. They ain't tough. When I was a kid, they used to call me everything else and, and, and so forth. And it didn't bother me. Well, we ain't in your generation no more. And we can sit up there and make those arguments, but people are dying. They're taking their lives because they cannot take the ridicule. Y'all better warn your kids. If, I mean, this is why we got to be involved in our kids, especially on social media and things of that nature. If they are ridiculing and bullying people, be careful. Kids will take their lives. Now they got this Netflix series. What is it called? 13? Like where, where, where it's, it's slightly glorifying people taking a way out. And it doesn't take much for people anymore. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you grew up in a home where you experience this stuff on a regular basis, and then you go to school and you experience more abuse, and then you go to your aunt's house and there's more abuse, yes! They can't take what you, could, what you took when you were a kid. But see, that whole spirit of shaming a person because they claim to be bullied is the spirit of which I'm preaching against today. It is, there is such a lack of empathy and sympathy in us that our culture has created. Stay with me now. Help me, Holy Ghost. The other thing is exploitation. Another kind of abuse. It occurs when a vulnerable adult or his or her resources or income are illegally or improperly used for another person's profit or gain. Uh, let me talk about this now. How many people have I heard talking about uh, my mama messed up my credit even before I had a chance? She took credit cards out of my name, paid bills in my name, exploiting people, I mean, taking people's money. Take, I mean, just... I mean, this is something that commonly happens in our community. Let me keep on going. Examples include illegally withdrawing money out of another person's account, forging checks, or stealing things out of the, the vulnerable adults or child's, vulnerable adults' child's house. Let's go on to the next one. Neglect. Another kind of abuse occurs when a person, either through his or her action or inaction, deprives a vulnerable adult or child of the care necessary to maintain the vulnerable adult's physical and mental health. And I hear this all the time, where people, in, in terms of punishing and discipline, discipline will actually, will, actually, will actually deny a person food, interaction. Like I said earlier, they won't talk to them. I'm going to blow your mind with a story in a minute about this, about this thing of neglect. Many of us grew up in homes where we were utterly neglected. Watch this now. Go on. Abandonment. Huh? That's a whole other level. Abandonment. Go to that next one for me. It says, occurs when a vulnerable adult or child is left without the ability to obtain necessary food, clothing, shelter, or health care. Examples include deserting a vulnerable adult or child in a public place or leaving a vulnerable adult at home without the means of getting basic life necessities. Last one that I'll talk about, and there are tons of them. You can talk about elder abuse. There's all kinds of stuff, but I got to deal with this one. Re spiritual or religious abuse is the denial or use of spiritual or religious beliefs and practices to do what, y'all? To control and dominate a person. It is using religion to manipulate people's behavior. First thing that's going to come to your mind, probably what came to my mind, is the Catholic Church. Right? You have spiritual leaders who are using their power and their position, 
right? And you just hear crazy stories of how this stuff is done, right? But brothers and sisters, it's not just that extreme stuff. It's also trying to use the word and trying to use God to scare people so you can control their behavior. That does nothing to help. As a matter of fact, it's totally, it's totally against the gospel. The gospel is all about freedom. God literally is so much about freedom that he says, listen, I will keep you alive. I'll keep blood pumping in your veins while you're sinning because I don't want to make you do anything. And so the gospel is about freedom. The gospel is about choice. The gospel is about following a God of love, not a God of coercion. But many of us, even our theology and how we preach and teach the gospel, come on in here and say amen, somebody. We want to scare people into right behavior. But how many know that stuff don't last? Come on, say amen. Once you found out that your angel still went with you to the club, y'all, y'all would just, it just took one time. That's all it took, one time. You were scared at first. Yeah, that's right, your club, right? It just took one time. You went in there one. <laughs> you were like, okay, I ain't going to die. We're going to enjoy ourselves tonight, right? All right. Go to this next. Put this on the screen. So can anybody who knows anything about a kitchen tell me? Got to put this Lowry's in my hand. My food got to be seasoned tonight. We got to start, man. Any of your houses who are having these groups with the fellowship and the food, if the food is not seasoned, I'm not eating there. I'm not eating there. And you ain't going to get nobody to come back. Season your food, amen. All right, anyway, what is that, everybody? What is this process that I have pr- marinating, 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 okay? I love this process, brothers and sisters. Now, listen, just pretend you're not a vegetarian because uh, you can't marinate vegetarian meat. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, listen, listen, brothers. You can, you can attempt to. It just ain't the same. I'm just, I'm just. Listen, I make greens, and I make them without meat, and they're still good. But what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm talking about the process of marination was not designed for plants. I'm just trying to make an illustration here. This, this has nothing to do with health or food. I'm just, this is just an illustration about mental health, all right? So just work with me for a second. But be honest. Be honest with you. Be honest. I mean, I, I know many of your taste buds have changed now. They're on a different plane. I mean, even the, the smell of certain meats it probably makes some of you sick. And I'm not here to glorify it. I'm just trying to make an illustration. It's the only one I had, okay? But, but I'm telling you, there's something about some food when it's seasoned and when it has been marinated. I'm not talking about throwing some Lowry's on it and then cooking it and serving it. That's not marination. There's a difference between seasoning and marinating something. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, there are multiple ways you can do this. Uh, now, there are some people who brine stuff, right? They'll put it in like a liquid. It's almost like a soup, if you please. It's been, it's, it's been seasoned. They put vegetables up there, and they'll sit whatever piece of choice meat is, there is in there, and they will let the brine, they'll just let it sit there. And it has to sit there for more. But that's one. And then, then, there, and then you have uh, uh, folks who, who do dry rub. A dry rub, you know, it, there's no liquid involved. But what happens, I was literally going to buy a piece of meat to bring here today because I wanted you to see it. But, but if you can imagine a piece of meat, right, like a piece of lamb. That's biblical. Like a piece of lamb. A piece of lamb, right? And, 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 
and you've got all these seasonings, uh, paprika, salt and pepper, turmeric and cumin and, 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 and oregano. And, and what else? What else, y'all? Help me out there. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you want some color there. And then you, 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 you take it. And then, listen, the people that do it right, man, they put their hands in it, man. It's, They are trying to get the seasonings in the meat, and they will. If they know what they're doing, they're not going to serve it right after that. You have to, you have to let it sit for hours. I know some folks who let it sit for days, and you can tell the difference. Come on, man. What is wrong with y'all? Just be free for a moment. This, Listen, uh, let, me, let me just say this disclaimer so that y'all can just get with my illustration. We believe plant-based diet is the best diet. It is. We don't want you getting cancer and, and we, all that kind of stuff. I just got, I, I just, just, you can't make this illustration with uh, Impossible Burger. Yeah. You, you can't, I'm sorry. It's good, too. Go on to Burger King and grab you one. But I'm saying, though. Let's just keep with a lamb because uh, it is a lamb of God which will take away the sins of the world. And you have this lamb, huh? And, and there's dry rub. But then there's also people, a lot of my Caribbean folk, they use wet rubs, jerk seasonings. Uh, where, 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 where is, uh, where is uh, Nazir? Is Nazir here? Where's Nazir? Nazir makes a marinade for me. It's a Haitian marinade called Epi's. Oh, Yes. They take all of these fresh herbs and fresh stuff, and they blend it up with olive oil, and they just let it sit in the refrigerator, and everything is cooked with it. And, and you take this wet stuff, and, and it could be with curries and, and with jerks or whatever, and, and you, you don't serve it right away. But the whole point of marination is what, everybody? It is, come on, help me out, is to get the seasonings where? On the surface of the meat? It's to get it on the inside of the meat. How many of you have had a piece of meat, right, and the outside was seasoned? But the inside was not seasoned. That's a person that was lazy, that didn't prepare. Come on, say amen, right? And so, and so, and so, this is not my illustration. I'm giving you what, what, what this writer of this book gave. What he basically said is, is abuse or complex trauma, go to the next slide, that most of us, every person living uh, that's alive and is here or has ever lived, has all experienced a process of marination. Everybody. And it's not surface. Nobody has a surface marination. Everybody in here, in, the, in your bones, listen, I'm telling the truth, in your DNA, in the way that you think, everything, every single thing you've ever experienced in life has marinated you to be the person you are right now. It's in you. Somebody shout, it's in you. It's in you, right? So think of this as we're talking about abuse. Another term that I'm going to use to describe the abuse that many of us experience is complex trauma. Now, 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 stay with me. Complex trauma is repeatedly, chronically exposed to traumatic events over the years. You're being marinated. You're being marinated to not know how to love. You're being marinated to not to be antisocial. You're being marinated to abuse people. You're being marinated to be dysfunctional in your relationships. And everybody in here has been marinated in something. Watch what happens now. Normally, 
this, this complex trauma comes from family and others who should be providing love and care. But what happens is, is when you, and this is the deep stuff about this, your brain, your brain, in your brain are all the dysfunctions that you experience. So, again, I'm trying to help you understand. That's why you can't say, why don't they just stop doing what they're doing? It's the same way a meat can't be unseasoned if it's been marinated. It's in there. Are y'all hearing me now? It's in you. And this is why I thank God for the word. This is why I thank God for the church. Because I begin to look at my own life and I see all the dysfunction that's in my blood, that's in my DNA, that's in my thinking, that I have passed down to my children. That my children were passed down to their children. It is in us. And it ain't going to come out just with therapy. It's, and we need that. It's not going to come out just with a good sermon. And we need that. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's work has got to be an obsession of ours. Y'all not here. I, I said something there. You have got to be, if you are interested in changing, listen to me. Everybody listen. If you are interested in changing, seeing change in your kids' lives, seeing change in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, you have to be obsessed with the work of the Holy Spirit because there's no way you can unmarinate a person naturally. And most of us in here have not been marinated in some good seasoning. We've been marinated in crap. And we have no other... Our, our, our default setting is to wound people, is to hurt people, is to slight people, is to injure people, is to think of self first and others last. Okay. So, so look what the word says about this. Here's the result. Look what the word says. I had to sell all this stuff to show you what the word says. Watch this. Go to the next slide. We're going to Matthew 24. This text is about the last days. We're in trouble, y'all. And I'm telling you, church cannot be a side thing. You can't, it can't be an entertainment thing. You got to get obsessed with the spirit of God. You got to get obsessed with improving as a person. You have to, listen, make no excuses for dysfunction. Watch what the word says. The Bible says in Matthew 24, this is New Living Translation. We'll start with this verse. Says, the Bible says, read everybody, sin will be what? Everywhere. And the love of many will what? Uh, verse, verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Pause here now. The Bible says in the last days that what we're going to see is the marination of a lack of love. You have been primed for it. Our world, our world right now, right now as we speak, the Bible says there is, there is very little love in our world from anybody, from mothers, from fathers, from children. From politicians, from white people, from black people. There's a total absence of love. Even though we were created in the image of God and God is love, our natural state should be that we are totally divested of self, that it's others first, that we love people. We don't do them any harm. But the Bible says as we get closer to the end of time that love will grow cold. Look at another version here. Look at another interpretation. This is the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says it like this. It says, evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. Let me break down what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is there is so much anti-love 
that we have experienced all of our lives, that what's happening now is, is many people are growing a resistance to love. People have been hurt too much to want to trust anybody, to want to love, to put themselves in a position where they love anybody because there is so much pain. Help me, Holy Ghost. There is so much trauma. There is so much abuse. There is so much brokenness. There is so much uh, uh, injury that has happened and harm that has happened to many of us. Listen, there are many of us right now in our natural states who have no capacity to love. And the Bible says as we get closer, David, to the coming of Christ, it says we are going to see such unprecedented selfishness and a lack of love. Y'all think we're seeing stuff now. We need to praise God that nobody has come in this church and opened fire on somebody because they're mad about some domestic issue. But I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but the word of God says that as we get closer to the coming of Christ, we are going to see unprecedented wickedness and people doing lawless things and attacks and violence. I'm telling you it's coming. Children against parents. Parents. Look what the word of God says in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. This is all scripture, y'all. This is scripture. And we need to get our house in order. The Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3, and I believe this is the English Standard Version. It says, read everybody together. But understand this, that in what days? There will come what? Explain now, Timothy. Verse 2, Paul rather. For people will be lovers of what? You can stop right there. Every evil that happens in our world happens because of selfishness. And we are so marinated in selfishness that we cannot even detect that we are selfish. When I got married, and I told people, I I got married, I didn't get married to serve. Come on in here, somebody. I wasn't getting married for unselfish. I thought I was. But marriage exposed that real quick. You have, I mean, it, I mean, you think a, a parent naturally, a mother has natural love for her child. We're not seeing that anymore. I've seen mothers cast their own children aside for a living boyfriend, even though they know the living boyfriend is abusing them. And there's even less that we are willing to do for our children. Some of us put money and success over our children. Some of us put our dreams for our children on our children when we're really living our lives vicariously through them, but we can't see it because we're so steeped in our pain and our selfishness. The Bible says, for people will be lovers of what, y'all? Lovers of what else? What else would they be? Proud. And what else? Arrogant. Here it goes. And what else? Abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. And this word, look at this word, heartless, unholy. Lord have mercy. Heartless, uh, unappeasable, slanderous, with no self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous. I, I don't know how many families I hear talking, even in the body of Christ, who say, I'm not talking to my sister, and I haven't talked to her in three years. I'm not talking to my mama because of treachery in family. I mean, you assume that flesh and blood won't do some of the things, but we have mothers that have used their children and, and fathers that have used their wives. And I mean, it's just unspeakable the things that have happened. No self-control, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
The Bible says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. The Bible says avoid such people. This is a command from Scripture. The Bible goes on to say in verse 6, for among them are those, now notice, notice the language of abuse. For among them, we, we always leave this one out. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. When you are a lover of self, you will abuse people. The Bible says, what else will they do? Burden with sins and led astray by various passions. Verse 7, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Now watch this. These are individuals that are in the church. They're hearing sermons. They're hearing these presentations. But it's not sinking in the marinating process in their mind because we need the Holy Spirit to actually break some stuff in them. The only way you can get marinated out of a piece of meat is you've got to boil it. You've got to put it under heat and boil it to try to get the stuff out. And one of the things I'm discovering right now, many of us are going through a boiling process. And don't be dismayed. It is God trying to get junk out of us. It is God trying to get years of dysfunction out of us. It is God trying to pull impurities out of us, trying to pull mess out of us, trying to pull the ways of thinking out of us, trying to pull addictions out of us. Come on in here, somebody. Trying to pull all that junk out of us, all that hate, all that bitterness. He's trying to extract it out. I want to thank God for the boiling. I thank God for the testing because God does not want to leave you the way you are. God wants to change your life, but you got to be obsessed with your own development, which means you're going to be obsessed with the Spirit of God. Always the title of my message today is, How Can You Be So Cold? So let me, let me rock this out. There's a, uh, a book called the boy who was raised as a dog. Highly recommend. It's amazing. We have some, we have some families where you have parents who will tell somebody, I, I loved my child. I put food on the table, clothes on their back, but neglected them emotionally. Never told them they loved them. That stuff matters. Now, listen, I know some of us will say, hey, but that's the only way they knew how. All I'm just saying is, is that because we are in a time of unprecedented sin and wickedness, that we should not justify dysfunction. Because all it does is perpetuate itself in us and perpetuates itself in the next generation. And when you know better, you got to do better, right? But many of us, we can't even, I mean, we don't feel good about ourselves. Many of us have experienced success, and we never really feel successful because we're still starving at 50 years old, at 40 years old, for love from our fathers and our mothers that we never really got the way that we needed it. So let me just tell you, let me just speak honestly. There is no way in the world you know how to be a husband if you did not have somebody to teach you how to do it. You do not know how to be a father if you, unless you had somebody to teach you how to do it. You don't know how to love people unless somebody teaches you how to do it. It tells a story of a kid named Justin. Now, now, the psychologist said that when he was introduced to this kid, he was in a cage. He was throwing feces at nurses. He talked like a dog, if that makes any sense. He did not articulate himself. He would strip naked and, 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 and act wildly. And they basically at the hospital said 
There's nothing more that can be done because they did studies. And see, this is why I keep trying to emphasize the science part of this. His brain, they said, has reached such a point of retardation, of arrested development, that they said he will be like this for the rest of his life. And so really, let's medicate him and let's just maintain him, keep him safe and keep us safe from him. So the psychologist goes in, he's thinking differently. He says, there's a root to every fruit. There's a root to every fruit. Goes in and long and short of the story, he discovers that he lived in a house with a woman who was his grandmother who was morbidly obese. His mother gave birth to him at 14 years old and gave him to his grandmother. I don't know. Come on, black people. This is the story of black people. Somebody else raised us. But, but she herself suffered from some mental impairment, and she had a live-in boyfriend who himself had a level of mental impairment. Well, anyway, because of her obesity, she ended up getting sick and she died. And the only place that DCS would en entrust the child to was the boyfriend. There was nobody else. Okay? So the boyfriend has no children of his own and has no idea how to raise this little baby. But what he does know is how to train dogs. And so, unbeknownst to him, he's legitimately thinking he's doing the best thing he can. Like a dog, he encages the boy when the boy misbehaves. Huh? He feeds the, the, the boy, has intermittent contact with him, pats him on his head when he does something good. But his whole frame of reference, he did not know how to love this child. And as a result of it, this is what, I don't want you to take this lightly. Studies reveal that when in your developmental years, you are not exposed to love, that your brain will shut down, stop growing in the area of empathy and love, and you will have no concept of how to give it. Guess what happened now? The doctor said, I believe you can change him. And this is the word here. He said, I believe if you put love on him, the brain will rewire him. Short story is they began to love this boy, put him in a great foster home. And, and, and a few years later, I'm not sure, I think the boy was like 12 years old. He wrote a letter to the doctor that came to visit him, thanking him for the intervention, thanking him for placing him in a family. Man, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are literally, we are literally built for love. And our whole bodies, health, sickness. Do you realize if you hug somebody? By the way, this is in my book that I wrote, 40 Days to Lifetime Graphic Worship. Some people ask me, why we got all these hugs in the book? Because when you hug people, it, lower, it, it, it actually strengthens the immune system. Another story, Trinity. Trinity, same book. Crazy, right? Girl Trinity, she um, was born to a, a, a mother and a father who between the two of them had 30 children. In the house they had, I think they had, in the house they had 15 kids, 30. I'm serious. That's not. I'm not making that up. That's 30, right? The father was a drug addict. The mother was a drug addict. But when they were not high on drugs, they were really nice people. Catch this. They were really nice people. <laughs> Story says that 
this, this girl grew up growing up under these circumstances, seeing mom and dad like buzzed out, totally high, like acting reckless abuse when they were high. But those moments when dad wasn't high and he would love her, he would affirm her, stuck with her. And even though it was intermittent, it was enough to prevent her from going down the same road Justin did. So when she grew up, she decided she was going to be a social worker and she was going to try to help to undo some of the things that she experienced as a child. And they asked why. What's the difference? Especially when you consider another story about a guy named, named Joe who grew up in a family of a wealthy father, a wealthy mother who left him at home with 18 different nannies. And they couldn't figure out why he raped a mentally retarded girl and tortured her in front of his friends. He's a star athlete at school, made good grades, but he raped heartlessly. And when asked about it, he said, I was doing her a favor. She would have never been able to interact with cool people like me. This, th listen, this lack of empathy, this heartlessness. Do you realize that a lack of empathy, a lack of concern, go to the next slide for me, go to the next slide. I, I want them to, uh, we are creating a society of sociopaths. Do you know what a sociopath is? L listen, and this is why, I, I, you know, you can murder somebody in Tulsa and not be a sociopath. And murderer is not a sociopath. Not your typical murderer. Somebody gets in a fight, they get mad, and they cut somebody's throat. Right? Put them in prison. But when they get there, they feel remorse. They say, I shouldn't have done that. It was in the heat of the moment. You know what a sociopath is? A person who has no feelings. Don't care. Listen, now, I, 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 some of y'all think I'm exaggerating. We are living in a society right now where people do not give a damn. They don't care about themselves. They don't care about other people. You have people now, just, if, I mean, if somebody offends them, and see, this is not anger. They, they are planning these things, premeditated, going out and slaughtering people. Serial killers are sociopaths. See, we see that extreme. But there are many of us here who are tinging on sociopathy because we have very little desire to be empathetic to other people. We only think of ourselves all the time. We, we never put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Everything is about us. And the Bible says, as we get closer to the end of time, that we are going to be living in a society of utter sociopaths. Y'all think we're seeing evil and wickedness now. And this is one of the reasons I don't understand why people ain't trying to serve the Lord. Look, if you was going to fool around and run the wild and, and play in the streets, you should have done that in 70. You should have done that in 80. You should have done that in 90. Anybody watching the news, anybody reading the CNN, watching their phone, and seeing the level of sociopath, of heartlessness, of cold-bloodedness that is happening, There are many of us here who have never killed anybody, but all we think of is ourselves. And we just use one person after the next. From one bed to the next bed. One person to another person. Zero empathy. Next slide for me so I can wrap this thing up here. What is empathy? Empathy is feeling with. Sympathy is feeling for. So somebody who sympathizes, they say, oh, I see that man on the street. He doesn't have any clothes on. I feel for him. But an empathetic person will say, I feel with him. 
even though I've never been in that situation, I'm actually touched by his experience, and I want to go where he is. When you have that written in your DNA, you will be a loving person. But many of us do not have that kind of empathy. And I'm going to tell you now, our society is conditioning us not to care about anybody. The violence that is on television, the things that we consume on a regular basis, has many of us made, made us numb to this stuff. Come on, how many of us, when you're on social media, you hear about another. The other day we had Dayton and we had Texas. And listen, if the Holy Spirit doesn't continue to work with us, we're getting to a place now where death and violence and bloodshed doesn't even move us anymore. There are many of you right now should have long time repented because of things you've seen. You were in a car accident or you saw a friend get gunned down or one of your classmates was killed or you saw somebody lose their life and God allows these things to happen in order to get us to a place where we will recognize that we need him. But we are so immune to the wickedness of this world that evil is happening all around us and it moves none of us to repentance. It moves now. I'm telling you, we, I'm fearful for my own mindset because we are bombarded with wickedness at every hand. We are hearing of unspeakable things. We see unspeakable things. We share this stuff on social media. If you go to social media, there are whole pages set up of people fighting each other. And people are laughing. People have their phones up. And they are recording unspeakable things. That is a sociopath. If you see somebody being beat up, put your phone down. And if you don't have the courage to get in there, call the cops. Many of our children are becoming sociopaths. They're sharing this stuff on social media. They're going from one post to the next, and they're laughing at people's trauma. They're laughing at people's pain. They're laughing at people's injuries. And it's become commonplace. And the Bible says in these last days, the love of many is going to wax cold to where we don't even have regard for human life. Let me end this. So why is God allowing this? Here's the question I want to ask. I'm so messed up. I'm concerned about unmoved even by the spirit of God. We're unmoved by people's suffering. I was just talking to Brandy. She just came back from, from India and she was talking about the suffering that she witnessed in, in India. And, and you can see the emotion. Like people live like this. We see homeless people now. Come on, tell the truth. Depending on what kind of city you live in, if you from New York, you know you don't got no empathy. I'm just joking. Or any big city, D.C., any of these places. You know what I'm saying? You see this stuff on a regular basis. You see a bum, oh, yeah, that's a bum. Do you realize that the Lord sees this stuff and it is literally breaking his heart? We have people in our own families that are suffering and it doesn't even bother us. We have family members that are lost. They're not in the ark of safety. They're not following the Lord. And it doesn't even, you don't even lose sleep at night. We have a culture of sociopaths, a culture of selfishness. All we're trying to do is get paid and move up and, and live our best life. 
when people are dying around us. I don't know about you. I just want the Spirit of God to lead in my life. I don't ever want to get to a place where my heart is not touched by people's brokenness. My heart is not touched by things that are happening. I don't want to get to a place where I'm totally devoid of empathy. So most of the time when you talk about abuse, you're supposed to tell people, God is a healer. I got another word for you. God is going to deal with it. If something happened to you, if somebody abused you, if something happened to you that should not have happened, I got another word for you today. Yes, God's going to heal you. How many know that? But I also got another word for you. There's two sides to the gospel. God, not, God is not only a God of salvation, but he is a God of judgment. And he's going to fix this stuff. He is going to deal with injustice. And he is not just standing by idly, not paying attention to what is happening. I know for a fact that the heart of God is being wounded right now as he sees the lack of empathy in us. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Listen to what Ellen says. Look at what Ellen says. She says, few give thought to the suffering that sin has caused our creator. All heaven. How many, everybody? All heaven suffered in, in Christ's agony. But, but, but that suffering did not begin or end uh, with his manifestation in humanity. Watch this now. Give me your minds. The cross, the cross, the cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that from its very inception, sin brought to the heart of God. Don't worry, I'll explain. Every departure, you're getting it, brother. Every departure from the right, every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach his ideal brings grief to him. Think of this. Get this in your mind right now. We're always asking, why isn't God doing anything about it? Let me ask you, let's ask another question. How is it that God's not doing anything about it? And it's literally wounding him and driving him to utter pain. What kind of constraint do we have from our God who sits there and watches his children suffering, being wounded? Do you know God saw your molestation? Do you know God saw the rape? Do you know God saw the guy planning to murder all of his coworkers? He saw all of that. But because of his long suffering and because of his great plan, he has to restrain himself. He has to restrain his angels. He has to restrain. Oh, come on, y'all not hearing me now. Why isn't God looking out for me? The question is, why hasn't God rained down fire from heaven and destroyed us all? Watch this. Here's scripture. Here's scripture. Isaiah 63, 9. I'm about to shout, y'all. When I saw, ooh, the Bible says in Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, man, listen. There's somebody here right now. And listen, if you've never experienced pain, uh, you, you enjoyed the fact that the mic fell off. That was your entertainment for a day. But there's somebody locked in on to what I'm saying right now because they have been taking L's their whole life. They felt like nobody loved them. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You were not suffering by yourself. He says, when you were afflicted, I was afflicted too. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 4 says in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect uh, has been tempted in 
untried as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what, everybody? Of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. In other words, your God didn't just save you. He suffered with you. And the cross, the agony of Christ on the cross is a window until not how God felt then, but how God has felt throughout all eternity. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, man, to know sometimes when somebody comes, when you go to somebody and you're going through something, you ain't looking for no solution. You just want to know, do you feel me? You just want to know, do you see me? You just want to know, do you know what I'm going through? You may not be living what I'm living right now, but do you at least feel what I'm going through? And what we see in the cross is that Jesus' pain for that moment is a revelation of what he's feeling in the past, what he felt before you got here, what he feels right now. And the amazing thing, the mystery, is that he holds in restraint. Oh, but listen, y'all, he coming. He coming. Every wrong going to be made right. That's what you need to hear. Yeah, you're going to be healed, but I got a, I got a warfare word for you today. Every wrong that was ever done to you, he going to make right. Vengeance is his. He's going to repay. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing unless the blood is over their life. Psalms 56 says, I love this. He says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my. God didn't forget about you. Look at Ellen says in Desire of Ages. She said, not a sigh is breathed. Not a pain felt. Not a grief pierces the soul, but the throb, oh God, boy, this chick is writing, uh, vibrates to the Father's heart. Think of every wickedness that is transpiring right now, that has transpired in the past, that's going to transpire in the future. Do you realize right now Christ feels it all? Every time you say, I can't take this anymore. Do you know your father right now is saying, I feel you, girl, and I can't take it no more either. Go to Isaiah 59. This is the last text. But this is the one for which something other than a mic is going to be broken. I'm about to shout on this thing right here. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. I'll be honest with you. I called up my friend. I said, listen, I need your help with this. Uh, Dr. D. D. Knight. She says, have you read the text in Isaiah 59? I said, yeah, I've read it. Did you catch this part? I said, what? That's in the Bible? Look at this. This is for all the people who've been oppressed, all the people that have been hurt, all the people that have been looked over, all the people that neglected, all the people that didn't get the kind of love that God destined you to get. God says, I got you. And, and, and I'm not just going to wait till I come. I'm going to handle some stuff right now. Watch this, Isaiah, one of my favorite texts in the Bible now. The Bible says, Isaiah 59, verse 13, it says, we know we have rebelled and denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on God. 
Huh? Nothing most of you know in the first preceding verses of Isaiah 59. The Lord starts off by saying, my arm's not too short that it cannot save. My ear's not too dull that I cannot hear. And then after that, he says, but your iniquities have separated you from me. And then he begins to delineate all the things that Israel has done. And the, and the main refrain is no justice, no justice, no justice. Understand this. God's idea for justice in the world is not him coming down here and fixing stuff. He is looking for you to fix stuff. If there is no justice in the world, it's not God's fault. If there is no justice, no empathy, people that don't care about kids at the border, that's demonic. People that don't care about uh, uh, men that are incarcerated, that's demonic. People that don't care about neighborhoods and kinds of people, it's a demonic spirit. But I'm telling you right now, the Lord says, listen, that stuff should be handled by you. Watch what he says. He says, we have turned our backs on God. We, we, we know how unfair and oppressive we have been. Carefully planning our deceitful lies. God have mercy on me. I've made mistakes as a husband and as a parent. Thank you, Lord, for his grace. See, we always want God to come rain down justice for somebody else, but everybody in here has been abusive or has done some stuff, and you better praise God right now that he is holding his anger, that he is restraining himself, because if he unleashes, oh, Lord, if he loses himself, everybody dying. He said, he says, our courts oppose the righteous. Does that sound like the world we're living in? Justice, Carl, is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets. And honesty has been outlawed. Verse 15, yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Bible says the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Bible, man. Look at the Lord says. The Lord looked. A society and a church of sociopaths. The Bible verse says in verse 16, he was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. You remember the story about this, uh, this coach for uh, uh, the Olympics? And people got fired left and right. He went to jail and folks got fired. You know why? Because that kind of stuff don't happen without people knowing about it. Y'all better hear me now. I'm not trying to make nobody feel bad, but some of y'all know stuff that's going on that's not right. People are being abused. They're being mistreated. And the Lord is asking you. He says, where are you to intervene? An empathetic person says, if I'm in that situation and I'm a child and, I'm, and I go to my parents and I say, somebody touch me inappropriately. And we tell them, be quiet because it's your uncle. We don't want him to go to jail. 
by showing a sociopath mindset. I'm not saying we should believe every victim. I'm saying we should at least hear them. The Bible says, so he steps in to save them with his strong arm and his justice was sustained. Get the picture. Get the picture. I want you to see it cosmically all over the planet. We just showed you five kids every 20 minutes are dying. All over right now, somebody is being molested. Somebody's being raped. Somebody is charting a serial killing. Somebody's being murdered. Somebody is being falsely accused, and they're going to go to jail right now, and they'll spend 40 years in prison for something they never did. It's happening all around us. Am I telling the truth? There is injustice everywhere. It's under our noses. It's behind our backs. It's in our neighborhoods. There are children right down here that we have ministered to in this community, and many of us do not even know who they are. We had students come here for three weeks, and they know who these kids are. And I'm telling you, we need to know who these children are because there are children in these communities that are experiencing the stuff I preached about, and it's happening while we're worshiping. And all this stuff, God is feeling the throb. Isn't that right? Isn't that what she said? She says, the, the, at the very side, the Lord is feeling it. And I can just see my father. He's just restraining himself. Jesus is like, please let me loose. Because the Bible says that Jesus, he, he doesn't know the day or the hour. And he's saying, Father, is it not time yet to go and rain down justice? The Lord says in, in, in lieu of his second coming, he said, I can't wait that long. He said, what I'm going to do, since I don't see nobody doing nothing, he says, I'm about to go and I'm going to do some stuff. My dog going to self. Y'all ain't praying with me in here today. The Lord says, I ain't going to sit back and watch idly. He said, I ain't going to wait till my coming, but I'm going to show up in ways that are miraculous for my people. I'm going to show up in a sermon. I'm going to use somebody. I'm going to put a family member or a father figure in their life, but I'm not just going to let them go their whole life without nobody intervening. The Lord says, I ain't going to watch this no more. I'm going to intervene. The Bible says, and look at this picture. The Bible says, then the Lord, you know the Bible talks in Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God? But the Bible says the reason why God tells us to put on the armor is because he already done it. Notice the Bible says he put on righteousness as his body armor. And placed the helmet of salvation on his head. Oh, this is a preacher's dream right here. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Ah, Anybody ever watch Transformers? Anybody ever watch Transformers? Optimus Prime is an 18-wheeler. He's a, he's a semi-truck. Huh? And he's just moseying along. But then when danger comes, Optimus Prime transforms. Body armor comes over him. He ain't just a little truck no more. Now he's about to do work. The Bible says when Michael stands up. The Bible, script, this is scripture, y'all. The scripture says that the Lord himself is not going to say, hey, I'm waiting for them to get ready. I'm waiting for them to go to war. Sean Hunt, the Bible says, the Lord says, oh, shucks, now they ain't going to do nothing. Where my armor at? Let me put on my sword. Let me put on my armament. Let me get myself ready because I'm about to come down there. I got some children that are in need of help. I got some folks that are crying. I got some folks that need somebody. And I'm not about to stand by idly while they're getting raped. I'm not going to stand by idly while they're being molested. I'm not going to stand by idly while they're being neglected. He says, I'm going to come down there, my doggone self, and I'm going to fix it. Tell all your enemies to beware. Tell all your haters to watch out.
because the Lord is about to transform from a lamb to a lion. The Bible says the lion of the tribe of Judah is coming and he's got his armor on. He's got his sword in his hand and judgment is coming. This is one of the reasons why we need to fear sin. Y'all better hear me now. Y'all think this for somebody else. This is why you need to fear sin. This is why you need to fear it. Any compromises in your life, anything you know you're doing that is wicked and it has something to do with somebody else, the word is for you today. He's putting his armor on. His arm, he's coming for you. He's coming for you. And you better hope by the time that he armors up and he heads your way that he transforms back into the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But I can tell you how you can transform him. You got to call out on his name and say, Lord, forgive me for everything I've done, for every person I've hate. Father, don't come and get me, but come and save me. Lord, don't come and judge me, but come and rescue me. Father, the stuff that I want to do, I find myself doing. The places I want to go, I don't want to go. I find myself going. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Lord, don't strike me down, but Lord, save my soul. Y'all see him? I ain't know what that looks like. Ain't nobody going to do nothing. Holy Spirit is putting righteousness on him. Puts a sword in his hand. Puts breastplate on him. And then you know what he does? He does what I saw the other day. I was at an event and my, my, my aunt, she had... Those, I thought they were stupid, like screen protectors on the phone. All y'all have screen protectors, I made fun of them. I'm like, that's a little bit much. You know, that's like the helmet on the adult who's riding his bike in the neighborhood. And knee pads. <laughs> Come on, it's a bit much, right? But I noticed something about the phone. I said, why is your screen cracked? She said, it's not my screen. I said, what? She said, pass me that phone. She said, no, that's the screen protector. I said, wow, you had to pay a lot of money to get your screen fixed. She said, no, the screen isn't cracked. It's the screen protector that's it. Oh, Lord, you know I wrote that down. I said, Lord, have mercy. I said, you mean to tell me that the phone should have been destroyed, but it wasn't destroyed because it had some protection on it, and the protection actually took what the phone was supposed to get. Man, I looked at the phone and I said, that's me. Y'all ain't praying with me in here today. I said, that is me. I done got, I should have got destroyed, but the Lord laid on me. He didn't save me from a distance, but he covered me with his own righteousness. And the Bible says that he was wounded. Goodbye, y'all. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Bible says the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. Have I got anybody out there that just wants to worship him right now and say it should have been me? Outdoors with no food and no clothes or just another number. 
was a tragic end, but he didn't see fit to let none of these things be. But every day by his power, he keeps on keeping me. I want to say thank you, Lord. Y'all ain't praying today. Anybody want to say thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Y'all playing games in here. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. No weapon that is formed against you was able to prosper because the Lord covered you. How many want to say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. He he ain't just standing by. He coming. Yes, he's merciful. Yes, he's compassionate. But he's suiting up right now. (laughs) He's putting on his armor for you. He's about to come and deal with the devil in your life. And how many know that just at his name, they cannot stand? How many know that when God armors up, you don't even have to fight? He just speaks and things happen. Some of you didn't get it from your family, but the Lord gave, put people in your life. Hallelujah. Some of you had a rough start, but the Lord has turned your rough start into a testimony of what God can do. Will you not give your life to him? Or will you be so numb to his goodness that you are a spiritual sociopath, unmoved by God's grace? Unmoved by his compassion. Unmoved that he took blows for you. Unmoved that, yes, some things happened to you. But God didn't just, he didn't just turn his head. But he was with you every step of the way. That's why you're still here. And it's by the grace of God. Anybody just want to come forward just saying thank you today? That's it. Just, you just want to come forward saying, Pastor, I'm going to get up out of my seat. I normally don't even move. But I just feel like I need to come stand here and just praise him with you right now. And just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. My life wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, it was traumatic. It was tragic. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I should have been destroyed. I should have lost my mind. I should have been in jail. I should have died. I should have been killed. I should have lost my mind. But it was God's grace. Pastor, I I was too young to even know that my upbringing was as bad as it was. But as I look back now on my life and I see what God has done with my life in spite of where I came from, I can't help but say, thank you, Lord. Pastor, I'm not asking why wasn't God there. I know he was there because ain't no way in the world I should have survived what I came out of. Pastor, when I hear you preaching, you talk about these people and and the things they've gone through. Pastor, I went through that and more, and yet I'm in the house of God, and I'm worshiping, and I still got my mind, and I still got a praise, and I still know his voice. Oh, Pastor, I got to praise him. I don't got no art with God. All I got is I thank you. I promise you this. For every bad upbringing we have in here, there's somebody that was worse than yours. 
Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if there's anybody here today that needs to give their life to the Lord and join this church. But if the Lord is talking to you right now, I just want you to lift your hands. You feel the Lord pulling at your heart, tugging at you, saying, go all the way with me. No more running. What more do I have to do? What more do I have to do? I'm chasing after you. But you ain't faster than me. If you make your bed in hell, I'll be there. If you rise up to the heavens, I'm there. Everything you've been in, I've been there. That's the only reason why you made it out of it. So why are you running from me? Tell me yes now. Is somebody needs to give their life to the Lord? Be baptized. Be rebaptized. Make a decision. Join the church today. Repent. Come out of where you are and say, Lord, change my heart. Change my mind. If the Lord is talking to you, just lift your hand right now. When we end this service, we don't want to end this service without giving somebody a chance to say yes to the Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anybody? Just lift your hand right now. Somebody got a memory right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say, I just want to thank you, Lord. And before we go, we got to sing this part, Been So Good. Oh, yes. Come on, sing. Been So Good. your life to the Lord Jesus. Just lift your hand. I just want to give 10 seconds for you to do so. 10, 9, 8. Move right now. Either while you hear his voice or not hard in your heart. 7, 6, 5, 
hands. Raise your hand right now. If you hear his voice, don't harden your Four, lift your hands right now. People are praying for you. Tell God yes. Three. One, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may return to your seats. You may return to your seats. You may return to your seats. Deacons, deacons, if you will come and wait on us for the tithes and offerings this morning. Come quickly and wait on us. Brothers and sisters, as the deacons are coming, I'm going to ask if Pastor Johnson will just come. I've got to go to a funeral right now, and I'm got to, I should have been on the road a little while ago. But uh, God's blessings on you. Uh, keep us in prayer as we travel to the funeral. We got to drive to Huntsville, Alabama, a few moments to be there for a funeral first thing tomorrow. Uh, but just keep us in prayer. Pastor's going to come and just continue lift our tithe offering. I do need to tell you this: we had a great month last year. We are climbing. We are climbing even higher and higher in terms of our giving. Our goal by the end of the year is to get to thirty-five thousand dollars. This, this past month, we're getting closer and closer to that. Uh, but by God's grace, we're continuing to move it. How many ready to build a place for grace? Lift your hands right now. How many excited about it? Oh, it's moving. It's happening. And so we're praising God for it. Pastor. Amen. We want to remind you of the other ways to give. If you need an envelope, you can raise your hand. Um, for those who are watching online, um, if you click right there, there's a donate button right there on the Facebook page.